0: Side Cam Urshry, glad to have y'all hanging out here on this Friday afternoon as it's almost time. little over 24 hours away from the SEC Championship, Georgia and Alabama will be joined by Brooks Austin from Dogs Daily on SI.com. Coming up here in just a couple of minutes, but as we start to get closer and closer to this game, more and more people, I think, starting to fall on the side of Alabama. Alabama in this game. So really looking forward to catching up with Brooks about that. Also, of course, going to get you our picks for the rest of the weekend. Really excited about this one. Just an awesome slate from noon to 8 o'clock coming up on Saturday afternoon. So, so much to dive into here on the show. But starting again, of course, with the SEC Championship. You'll be able to hear it live right here on ESPN Radio starting at Four o'clock kickoff, and again, number one versus number three, getting ready to rock, catch up with Brooks Austin here in a second. But going into this, I think the major storylines, as we've talked about before, number one, can this Georgia offense score enough against an Alabama offense that has put up over 40 points a game? A lot of people are surprised. Georgia's right there with them, but we know how prolific this offense can be. Obviously, the main storyline going to be: Can Georgia finally get over the hump against Nick Saban? Haven't beaten them in the last six tries. Getting ready to find out if we can. I think we have found Brooks Austin here again from Dogs Daily on SI.com. Our good friend Brooks Austin joining us. Brooks, I know a crazy busy day. We appreciate you taking the time with us,
1: dude. Christian, I think I'm exhausted. I think I've reached that point, man. I, I feel like I've talked about this football game for like 75 hours straight, man, between radio, radio hits, Twitter spaces, which are apparently a new thing that I, uh, I love and have a talent for. Uh, yeah, I, I have examined this football game, talked about this football game, dreamt about this football game, examined this football game, uh, exhausted this football game at this point, man. I
0: mean, you want to talk about something else?
1: No, not at all. Let's do it, baby. We got to round this sucker out. We are at the end of the week. We're almost here. Let's carry it out in a in a fantastic fashion.
0: Cuz dude, I I'll, I'll talk you, about anything. We can talk about like, we could talk about home improvement. We can talk about what's what it's like uh raising a child cuz I have no idea what that's like. So I mean, we can go in a multitude of different directions here, dude. So-
1: a, a little DIY? Oh, don't tease me, baby. Maybe, maybe
0: we maybe we just do that from uh, the we do DIY into how you beat Alabama. So I mean, if you're if you're doing a DIY, Brooks, what, what's the what's the first step? What's the foundation for beating Alabama?
1: Ooh, the foundation of a solid football team is good offensive line play and good line of scrimmage play in general. Alabama has not done it this year. Shaky foundation. It's why you see late in fourth quarters they stall out offensively at times. It's why you see teams get back in the football game against them in the late in the fourth quarter at times. Got a real shaky foundation. So uh, what what you do as an opponent is you attack that shaky foundation, especially offensive line-wise. I I think Georgia floods the right side of this offensive line for the better part of four quarters. Um, In all seriousness, they they, they have a rotation of of turnstiles out there at right tackle at the University of Alabama right now. It is a rare occurrence for me to turn on film, Christian, and see a, uh, an Alabama football team that can't protect on obvious passing downs and can't move the line of scrimmage on obvious rundowns. Uh, that's something we don't talk about when we talk about Alabama football. For years and years and years, it's been a constant that they can control the line of scrimmage consistently throughout a 12-game season. It's been the opposite of that, especially here as of late for Alabama.
0: All right, just bear with me here because I've spoken to a couple of people about this, and I'm curious, and we're obviously going to find out here uh, just over 24 hours whether or not this is true, but I feel like so much of the breakdown of this, I'm not saying you, I'm just saying the the national narrative. So much of it has to do with stuff that has nothing to do with 2021. and has everything to do with just Kirby Smart and Georgia's history against Alabama, and i I just don't know if that's fair going into this game. I understand where the fear comes from. Alabama's ripped your heart out multiple times. But if you're just looking at this from a 2021 perspective, I think Georgia's the clear favorite in this game.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I said it last night. I, but when you look at them on tape, when you look at them on paper, when you look at them statistically advanced, box score metrics, doesn't matter. On paper, on film, everywhere, season resume tells you that Georgia is the much better football team. Not even just the better football. They're a much better football team. Georgia, up until this point, has been a flawless football team, and I can point out dozens of flaws through multiple games across the schedule about this Alabama football team. But it's still Alabama, still Nick Saban. I still respect that. Until, until the legend dies, until you slay Big Brother, uh, I don't think you can sit there and say, well, yeah, I mean, Georgia's going to win by 10 points. I, I think I predicted it today to be a, a four- to seven-point football game. I think that's what we're looking at um, because I do think Alabama, the, though they're, they're a fraudulent football team across several different portions, you know, they give up big plays through the air. They, they, they struggle to run the football. They will struggle to run the football tomorrow. Uh, they can't protect the pass. They have all these holes, right? But they have an advantage in certain aspects of the football game, particularly – the slot, the slot receiver position, Jamison Williams versus whoever it is is playing star and is tasked to cover him. That's an advantage. They've got quarterback play advantage. I think we all can agree on that. And they have a game-changer defensively at a position as an edge rusher. And Will Anderson, a historic football player, going up against a question mark, albeit whether it be youth or health, Mari Sawyer and Broderick Jones. So there's a pathway for certain guys to win and dominate their matchups. I think there is a pathway to victory there in this 2021 matchup, Christian.
0: Now, I'm looking at this game, and I I think if it goes the way it's supposed to go, right, if if everything, all the matchups we've talked about all week, if it goes the way those matchups are supposed to go, Georgia's going to win this football game. But I I saw a few different, kind of like what you were talking about, avenues where Alabama could win this game very quickly. And the first one that sticks out to me is Stetson Bennett trying to play outside of himself. And I... When I say that, I don't want people to think I'm saying Stetson Bennett needs to be a game manager and just hit checkdowns. What I'm saying is, and you know this, Brooks, because you watch way more tape than I do, but just watching the games and then rewatching them before the shows is, four or five times a game, and he hasn't done it lately, but before, four or five times a game, there were just throws from Stetson where you were like, dude, what are you looking at and what was that decision-making process? I don't feel like you can have those against Alabama and expect to win this game. No,
1: I, I think the pathway to beating Georgia this year is to get them into a rock fight, like suffocate their offense and just have them into like a three, three game at half, you know, kind of like Florida did this year before they went, you know, all to heck right there before the half. Um, I, I think you're, what you're hitting on is Stetson Bennett has like two, he has had two 17, 18, 20 minute game time stretches in his career that have just looked, Awful. He's put the ball at risk. He's tried to force things. He tried to play outside of his means, taking ground in penalties, unnecessary sacks, forcing the football, turning it over, putting it in at risk. One of those stretches was last year against Alabama, starting midway through the, or late in the sec, or the first half, on into the third quarter. That, at, at the start of that stretch, the game was seventeen seventeen. At the end of it, it was forty one twenty four. That that's what that looks like. The other stretch was pretty much all in and around a bunch of turnovers and a meltdown from Florida against uh, this year, where Stetson, you know, turned it over twice, looked pretty stagnant, but saved himself with some deep ball accuracy to Kyrus Jackson, thanks to a defensive touchdown as well. Like things like that happened his way. If he goes through one of those stagnant periods Saturday, it, you might be looking at a 17-10 football game, 14-9 football game. It might get ugly like that.
0: Brooks, I know you've, you've grinded the tape. That's, that's your thing. Has Alabama seen a trio of tight ends like George is about to throw at him?
1: You know, I, I think Texas A&M with the way they use them and, and Weidermeyer, I know that's a, a Mackie Award, you know, kind of discussion. George fans aren't necessarily having. He's super talented. He's oh, yeah. Not as good yards after the catch wise, but I think he's far more developed as a as a uh, you know experienced football player in the SEC as a blocker, and that's what helped them so much in the run game against Texas a and I think that's the biggest portion of Saturday's game. They're going to have to get into 12 personnel to run successfully, in my opinion. They're going to have to use misdirection. They're going to have to have Darnell Washington be a six foot eight, two 265-pound monster in the run game. He's going to have to add in and be a factor in that portion uh, to, to lean on these folks and really push them. And I think you've seen Georgia kind of morph into that. A lot of 12 personnel, a lot of 13 personnel, two and three tight, tight ends on the field late into the season. That's for a reason. I think they're going to start leaning on folks. Uh, late into the season. We're, we're 12 games in, heading into 13, 14, and 15 to win a national title. Uh, it's it's time to start playing some playoff football, which means leaning on folks, play action, deep shot.
0: All right, Brooks, some quick hitters before we let you get out of here. How many snaps do we see from George Pickens tomorrow?
1: You know, I think he got, what, 8-10 to 10 against Georgia Tech to get 20-25 to 25 in the SEC Championship to get 40-50 to 50 in the playoffs. I think that's a reasonable expectation. If he plays outside of that, it would be a little extra human and maybe extraterrestrial type of you know football play and athletic achievement. That doesn't surprise me. We're talking about George Pickens. Oh, yeah, that happens. If he comes down, and goes eight for seventy-five, two tuddies, and, and, and plays like George Pickens of old, I wouldn't be shocked. The guy's special, man. Special people do special things.
0: Who's starting next to Cena tomorrow at safety?
1: Ooh, tough one. I game time decision. You got to beat Bama. We gotta. We, you you got to kill the monster why you got them they're down right now you don't you do not want to allow alabama to have 18 alabama days to get healthy for a playoff run at running back at offensive line figure things out defensively you don't want it you got to slay them now if chris smiths 90% i play him that's what i do
0: who's georgia starting left tackle tomorrow
1: same discussion it's a it's a 85 90% battle what's going to happen like do you want to risk uh, you know, potential re-injury, is there a potential re-inj- or risk for re-injury? I don't know the answer to those questions. If, if it's 85%, 90%, I'm pulling the trigger on both. You have to, have to win this football game, in my opinion.
0: All right, finally, Brooks, how many rushing yards from Alabama scares you? Like, what number does Alabama have to hit rushing the football to win this game?
1: I, that, that, that's irrelevant to me. I think, I think they go into the game one-dimensional. No one's been able to run the football against Georgia. No one. You're not going to be able to do it. The, the, the recipe for success is how many explosives does Georgia allow? How many explosives can Alabama get? Do they have three or four touchdowns of 75 yards, or you not 75 yards or more, of 25, 30 yards or more? If that's happening, they got a chance to win this football game, and they probably will walk away if they're that explosive. But nobody has been. Nobody's been able to do it. But Alabama might have the recipe to do it, except for the fact that they give up what I call two and a half second sacks, Christian where guys are just running free, right to the quarterback. That's a problem, Um, and I don't don't see a recipe uh, that leads to success on a long-term battle for Alabama tomorrow offensively.
0: Yeah, not a good look when you're having to pull your starting center and starting right tackle the week before you play Georgia because of play, not because of injuries. Brooks Austin, Dogs Daily on SI.com. Brooks, I know, like you said, crazy week, it's – Pretty much seems like all season has been leading up to this game, so I know you've been packed this week. We have been as well. We appreciate you taking some time, brother. Look forward to talking to you on the other side.
1: Anybody got a coffee sponsorship? Holler at your man, please. Thank you. We'll see you.
0: There you go. Brooks Austin, you can follow all of his stuff on DogsDaily on SI.com. He does an awesome job breaking it down. He said it there, Cam, for Brooks. The key, don't give up the explosives. And I think we've seen Georgia do a really good job of that this year. We've seen a couple times where – I think South Carolina was able to throw the ball over Georgia's head, and Tennessee, those first couple of drives where Georgia really struggled with just the the pacing, but then quick adjustments, and they really weren't able to get anything else going downfield, the recipe for beating Georgia, as Brooks said, is don't bang your head against the wall, don't just try to run at Jordan Davis and Devonta Wyatt, one-dimensional throwing the football, that sounds like a very hit or miss plan to me, but it also sounds like the most realistic one for Alabama against Georgia
2: yeah it's a hit or miss plan and it's something we're not accustomed to for these past couple of years a championship team relying kind of on their defense I mean this team is generating and built on their defense if they want to win a championship um you know the explosive plays with Bama in the past have killed us with you know waddle rugs I could keep going on Amari with the, Cooper Amari Cooper I oh, can yeah. go on the tree of you know, wide receiver they had You, and didn't, even say, you, didn't, backs. Even, you didn't even
0: say Devonta Smith.
2: Yeah, Devontae Smith. You could go running backs, Eddie Lacy and those type of guys. We could go on and on about that. But if like I said yesterday, I don't know if their receiving core scares me like it has in the past. If you can hold them, just contain them and contain Bryce Young from scrambling and improvising, I think you got a really good chance. I, I
0: think I think we're gonna see a lot of from Georgia's defense is and they've done it all year, which is they have only blitz, I think it's like around the twenty 20- percent mark maybe a little bit more than that where they've sent more than four Mm -hmm. right they don't send a lot of guys unless it's just clear down a distance and they know they can cover you up in man coverage but talk about man coverage Georgia's also played around 70% man coverage this year which is a big increase it was closer to 50-50 the last couple of years so I think what you're going to see from Georgia is a lot of four man rushes but they're going to get creative with them and that's where if I'm an Alabama fan the fact that I can't run the football scares me because Georgia won't have to play you straight up with their four down linemen they can walk the linebackers and they can start hitting you with those creative stunts that they do where you have guys bending all the way back in from their Defensive end position, like the one of the nastiest one Georgia does to me is you have Travon Walker standing up on the outside and him wrapping back around inside of Jordan Davis, where Jordan Davis is basically a fullback clearing out three guys. You're going to allow Georgia to come up with all these different creative four-man rushes, and they can drop seven back into coverage and play zone. And just if if you get cooked on the inside, you'll have three or four guys there to tackle them, yeah. right? If 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 Jamison Williams beats Bree, which we've seen before, and gets a slant route. Well, a seven yard gain beats the hell out of a seventy yard touchdown, which I think he has three of those this year, right? So you just can't have the back breaking play. They if it's seven yards at a time, fine. Do that all the way down the field.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you remember last year when we was up seven at Bama, they had that big touchdown against Waddle. Like, and that's what kind of changed changed the game. It was like a 80 um, eighty-five yard touchdown.
0: Yeah, Jalen Waddle got in the open field. That was a wrap. Yeah, he got yeah. an open
2: field. He's one of the fastest dudes I ever seen. But man, I mean, Bry- at the end of the day, as brilliant as Bryce Young is, and as good as he is, he's still a young player. He's still what? He doesn't even have fifteen career starts. You got to pressure him and get him out of sync. We've seen it happen before, where he's put up big numbers, but you look at the game, he, the eye test tells you he didn't have a great game. He just put up great numbers, and I think that's what will be the case tomorrow. He'll put up numbers but is he going to have a great game? He
0: threw for over 300 yards against LSU and they scored 20 points. Yeah. So it's just, it's the, it's the Falcons offense, right? Where you (laughs) let them do whatever they want to between the twenties. And then you just get real stingy when Mm -hmm. you get to the red zone. I, I think the, and, Georgia's not going to come out like this, where it's just, hey, we're going to play Ben, but don't break defense. This is an attacking defense, and they feel like they have the guys. They they, they put the goal up every week of not allowing more than thirteen points. Do not change and the game. Plan. Yeah, that is not that's not going to change against Alabama. But I'm if I'm, if we're being realistic, this is the best offense Georgia's gone up against. Uh, clearly, like outside of Ohio State, and I'd hear arguments if you just want to talk about pass catching groups. I'd hear arguments between Alabama and Ohio State, but one of the top two wide receiver groups in the country. Just keep everything in front of you. Don't get confused yeah. in coverage. And that's why I ask about Christopher Smith is Dan Jackson has done a very admirable job mm-hmm. and he's played some good football. But you want your starting safeties because you You, don't, you, you, one, don't, you just don't want to back up safety trying to run with
2: Jameson Williams. You got to win this one. Is what Brooke said. Yeah, I don't care what anybody says. I don't want to rematch. Well, here, you have to
0: here's win. Here's a thought, and I was going to talk about this during the pace, but we can talk about it now, is does Georgia come out too fired up? Because it's it's interesting, right? Because Georgia's favored in this game by six and a half points, but it just the narratives around it, Bama, I guess, is favored by the universe, I guess is the best way to put it. Does Georgia come out too fired up where they can't get out of their own way? I remember talking to Les Miles, uh, and he was talking about when they played, I guess it was the Chick-fil-A Bowl, or it might have still been the Peach Bowl back then, but they played the bowl game in Atlanta on New Year's Eve, and they played against Miami, and Miami came to – like half field, not midfield, but like they came to half field during warmups and this just dog cussed LSU. And so Les Miles said the first quarter was tough, then they just couldn't do anything. He's like, because my dudes were so mad. Mm -hmm. They were so mad and so ticked off and so ready to just beat somebody up and down that they weren't executing, right? Mm -hmm. Can Georgia, I guess, corral those emotions and use them and – Just broadcast them towards what your goals are, or does it get? Do you start off a little shaky, stetson maybe overthrowing some balls, you miss some assignments on the offensive line, and it's a zero zero first quarter? Yeah, right. Like it's just you got to channel those emotions.
2: Yeah, Vegas is with us. Like you said, the the universe is still picking Bama. If you go out on the street and ask Georgia Bama, a lot of people will still say, Bama, this game. And if I'm Georgia, you just come out level headed, man. Act like you've been there before, you've been there before. At like it man it's just just because you're playing alabama and it's the name and nick saban doesn't mean you change up your game plan how you played all year if they come out and play discipline especially on defense oh,
0: Georgia's 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 normal game beats alabama's normal game by 10 points yeah right if you just if you come out and play your game you beat alabama by 10 especially points. this year yeah, yeah. yeah. definitely but, yeah i mean we're not talking about last year we're not talking about next year we're talking about coming up tomorrow yeah and about 23 and a half hour, or 25 and a half hours excuse me oh lord
2: mm, nervous
0: we gotta take a quick break we got some local coaching news to get to here and then of course we'll see if we can locate pj Zuko, get him in there to give you our picks for the weekend so we can crown a champion before we get to bowl games for cameras this is christian gokel right here on second down we'll be right back after this Second down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Two different locations in Savannah to take care of all of your uniform needs. Christian GoKel alongside Cam Ursery here. Cam, we we had the listen. Whenever one of your boys goes on to bigger and better things, there's obviously you got to be happy for him. If you're not happy oh, yeah. for him, you're not a real friend. But at the same time, you're gonna miss him. And and Sean Quinn. Has announced that he's stepping down. We were, we were laughing with him because he, he swung by Coach's Corner yesterday before he headed out of town to say goodbye. But uh, we were laughing with him. We we're like, dude, you were like 33% of our content during COVID because <laughs> we would bring him on three that. and out, yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> three days a week during the shutdown. And just we were talking Tiger King and, and the Jordan documentary and all that. So obviously sad to see Sean go, but really excited. And I guess. Just looking forward to seeing what's next for him. A lot of reports out there, but nothing has been confirmed yet. But really excited for Sean. But that left a vacancy at the head coaching job for Savannah State. Uh, Savannah State putting out the news today that Russell DeMossi, offensive coordinator, has been tabbed as the interim head football coach. Uh, That will go into effect as of December 7th for a release from the school. You can read the full release uh, on Savannah State's website or you go to ESPNCoastal.com. Just look at the front page. Uh, it's there as well. I just want to read this quote uh from Opio, the athletic director. Uh, coach Damasi has played a key role in turning the page for Savannah State football over the last few years. At this crucial juncture, we will put our full trust in his ability to lead the program through this transition. Again, that's Opio Mashariki uh, from Savannah State, the athletic director there. And Russell's been there for a long time. Uh, 2015, he took over as a quarterback's coach. And then back in the day, of course, uh, a player or quarterback at Georgia Southern. Earned a scholarship his senior season there, but was a walk-on with Jeff Munkin uh, at Georgia Southern and just a great dude. And about as Savannah as it comes, so I don't want to put it out there for you because obviously this is our show. But my full weight and support behind him just having the interim tag removed and just taking over because I look at what they have accomplished Mm-hmm. over these last, I guess, three years, but really two seasons because of the cancellation during COVID. I mean, you go 7-3 and three in your first season in the SEAC, and the only reason you didn't make it into the SEAC Conference Championship game was kind of conference politics. Mm-hmm. Them saying, hey, it's not fair for them to come into the league and get to play in the Conference Championship, even though they go 5-0 and o inside the conference. Uh, and then this year, you go 8-2, and two, and you, your only two losses are to Albany State and Valdosta State who's one of the most dominant programs still in the playoffs as of right now. I think they're going to play Bowie State. Uh, but those are your only two losses, and they were just a hair shy of making the playoffs this year in Division II. So why mess was a good thing. I mean, Sean's taking that next step, yep. and, and he's moving on, hopefully, to bigger and better things. But you have a guy who has been molded by some of the best minds in football. I mean, Jeff Munkin is just a name revered around South Georgia for what he was able to do at Georgia Southern and then coming over and helping revitalize the Savannah State program that was not good. Not good. So my full weight and support, whatever it means, my full weight and support is behind Russell DeMossi uh, as the next head football coach at Savannah State because he's a young dude, he knows his stuff, a great recruiter, and who could recruit this area better than him? And nice. that staff of those guys that they have over there. So, I uh, why mess with a good thing? And that's not the only reason. I think Russell could be a coach anywhere, right? Somebody, somebody could offer him a position coaching job, a job on somebody's staff elsewhere. But if he wants to stay and he wants this job, I think it should be his.
2: Yeah, I agree. I'm one of those people where I'm like loyalty over everything. Um, he's been there through the up and ups and downs, like a lot of downs. He, yeah, yeah, a lot of downs. He was there in 2015 and. I, I, get, I got there in 2016, and I could just tell you the football program, it, how, yeah, how, it was bad. So
0: you were somebody that was there and observed it. How big of a difference is just the attitude around the football program at the school now versus when you got there?
2: Bro, it's huge. Um, I remember going to the football games and not seeing the HBCU atmosphere that I was supposed to be – that was talked about when I got there or before I got there. I didn't see that. When Coach Quinn came – and things just turned around quick and i seen the atmosphere you see fans in the stands you see alumni coming back and people are not just going to the homecoming game to enjoy the barbecue behind the stadium they're coming to watch the game I was at the homecoming game this year it was so many people actually watching the game I was shocked outside of maybe some alumni from my class who didn't get to enjoy our last homecoming it was just shocking and for for him to be there through the bad years and now the good years, I mean, Savannah State, they're they're a D2 powerhouse right now, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm, if I if I'm another school and I'm looking at Savannah State, number one, I know for a fact a lot of schools are trying to come after the kids that Savannah State mm-hmm. already has. Uh, but they num- already have actually. Yeah, 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 but yeah, but number two is, I I'd be worried about Savannah State because. It, when it starts clicking, which it already has, you're on that upper trajectory. There is no reason outside of support, which I, I think you're going to see in the next couple of years, the support get a lot better, not just from the fans, but around the community, because uh, that's already building, is there's no reason, and you can laugh at me if you want to, there is no reason why Savannah State shouldn't be Valdosta State. Yeah, I, I, on, I, on the football field, when you talk about the recruiting base that you have, mm-hmm. there is no reason.
2: I've been a big person to say if they had, had they not lost against Albany State this year, they would have made the playoffs. They oh, were just like without, one game away. Yeah, without question. They were one game away and then you get your rematch against Valdosta and you don't know what happens. I'm not going to say. Yeah, I'll say in, it,
0: first game of the season this year that if you go look at the score, it looks like it was sideways, which he got sideways in the fourth quarter going into halftime, Savannah State mm-hmm. at Valdosta State was right there with him. Yeah. and again this is coming off of covid and coming off of really having your first successful year and then not playing football for close to four hundred days
2: those guys will stayed out they're hungry yeah. though if you go up there and you talk to them but just look those at the look at
0: the radius uh, mm-hmm. just around like and again this is why I talk about Russell and I think he should he should get the job is he played football in Savannah high school mm-hmm. then he played his college football in statesboro mm-hmm and now he's back coaching in Savannah again. He knows every back road. He knows every head coach. He knows the high schools to go to, and he knows the talent level that's just within 150 miles of Savannah. If you, If you just start in Savannah and you look on a map and you just draw a big circle out 150 miles, you can win national championships with players just from that area, and who's going to recruit that better?
2: You got to know what you have before it's gone. Yeah. You, you do. You got to, and oh, I don't think oh, he should yeah. be an interim. I think – he should get that head coaching position. He's paid his well, dues.
0: I, I understandably from the athletic department side, they have to do their due diligence. They have to go through a coaching search, and they have to go through interviews. And you wouldn't be doing your job if you didn't do that, if you weren't trying to get the best possible person. But I think when it comes down to it, the best possible person is on the staff at Savannah State right now. And I think the sooner the interim tag is removed, the better. But right now, I think it was a good move to go ahead and name him the interim coach because it kind of solidifies the recruiting class because that's where Savannah State has drawn. Make no mistake, that's where why they're 8-2 and two this year. Mm-hmm. It's because of the local recruits that they were able to get. I think that does a really good job of helping solidify the commits and it keeps people on the road working and recruiting. So again, Russell Damasi named the interim head coach at Savannah State. That's going to go into effect on Tuesday the 7th. we got more to come here. On second down, we'll come back. We we'll get you our picks for championship weekend. PJ Zuko will hop on. You know he only comes for the fun part. He just he comes on to drop his picks and get cool out.
2: Cool guy, cool guy.
0: You know that's how that's how PJ does it. We'll dive into that next. Right, second down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source Christian GoKel, alongside Camerstry. Up oh, and just humbled and honored to be joined by the one and only pj zuko here
3: only have 30 seconds today so hurry hurry it up you know hurry. i will not i'm, I'm just taking,
0: kidding i'm taking I'm my time with these picks you know why so happy to be. You know be why here. i'm taking my time with these picks because we're starting off in the fcs the football championship yeah we are series Woo. with and we're gonna just kick it right off with kennesaw state at eastern tennessee state and before we do that I need both y'all to guess the mascots for both of those schools. Owls.
2: Yeah. What about Eastern Tennessee State? Um, East Tennessee State. Mm-hmm. The Knights. The Titans. Titans. Knights?
0: Yeah. I think it starts with a T. I'm so disappointed, both y'all. It's the Buccaneers. Come on, guys. The Buccaneers.
3: Buccaneers starts with a T.
0: We're talking about the Bucks. All right, you got you, you going Hootie Who, or you going with the Buccaneers?
3: Hootie Who, of course. I mean, they got the Road Warriors this year. Uh, there's, there's a strong football program there, and they're they're gonna go on the road, and uh, beat ETSU by at least fifteen points.
2: All right, Cam,
0: lock it down.
2: Uh, Kennesaw State's only what loss this year was Georgia Tech, so give me Kennesaw State. I'm gonna go with
0: the Bucs, Eastern Tennessee State. Wow, mm-hmm. I like I like what those dudes are doing over there. What you don't you don't like ETSU? Wow. Sorry, I'm just not rocking with Hootie Hoo. That's my bad. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Bucks there. All right, next up, sticking with the FCS here, we have Southeast Louisiana at James Madison. Any guesses on the mascots for those two teams?
2: Southeast Louisiana? Yes, sir. Oh, man, it got something to do with like a lion or something. Right? It sure
0: does. They are the lions. What about James Madison?
2: Man. Oh, oh, oh it's a bulldog, right? They are not the James, bulldogs. James no, they're in not. Virginia, right?
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. but it, doesn't it start with an M? Nope. Never sure mind. Sure doesn't. Never Arians.
0: mind. Nope. Nope. Never it's mind. It's a dog, is it? They're the Dukes. Dukes. Oh and they my got gosh. Duke Dog. Oh, man. The Dukes. Okay. You're you rolling with the Lions or the Dukes?
3: Going with James Madden defending that. And James Madison, excuse me, uh, d- defending that home turf. They have one of the, I, I don't know, they, they have one of the coolest atmospheres, I think, in FCS football. So.
2: All right. I want to say a few years ago, James Madison beat, what, Virginia Tech? Uh, I think you're correct, yes. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. so give me James Madison. I'll go off of that.
0: Uh, yeah, I'll go James Madison in this one as well, even though I think it'll be closer than a lot of people think. All right, Bowie State at Valdosta State. Not even a question. The Blazers. Of course. Now, hold on. What is Bowie State's? That I don't know. I know Valdosta. You haven't known State any of them. The
3: Bowie State. i da- You knew the Lions. The Bowie State
0: Davids. No, it should be the Bowie knives, but um, they're not. Oh, I was
3: hoping they'd be the Davids, David uh, Bowie. or the, Bo- the
0: Bowie blades, the Bowie Bulldogs.
3: Oh, of course. So boring.
0: Yeah. So we're we all going. Bla- are we all going Blazers here? Yeah. Of course. Yeah, all right. Yeah, as
3: the as the as the head Blazer walks out yeah, of the KT studio. Yeah. KT Blazer walks out. Yeah,
0: we're walking with the Blazers here. All right. Let's go to. I guess we're going back in time to Friday now. Pac-12 championship, number 10 Oregon versus number 17 Utah. Utah is a three-point favorite and absolutely obliterated Oregon in the not-too-distant past. Yeah, Oregon laid a
3: complete dud in that game. And, um, you know, I I think it's going to get weird. I think it's, you know, I'm surprised it's only a three-point spread. I figured it'd be probably bigger just with the way that Utah dismantled them last time they played. I'm actually going to go Oregon here. I think it's a bit of a flip of the script. Uh, Oregon's going to win by about ten.
2: Yeah, no way Oregon loses again. So I'd definitely go Oregon. I don't think they're going to lose twice in one season to Utah.
0: Well, I really felt good about picking Oregon here until <laughs> both of y'all just picked them. hey oh, is why, why is that? Why is that? Because y'all aren't doing great in the standings. Um, Right where I want to be. Well, my thought is like it's just playing at Utah at night has just been the death sentence for a lot of Pac-12 schools in the past. <sighs> it was a coin flip for me. And I was going to go with Oregon just because it's hard to beat the same team twice, but because both of y'all picked Oregon, I just got to use my brain. I'll take Utah Understand uh, the three points. That one's on Friday. All right, moving on to Saturday noon kick Eastern time, 11 o'clock in the morning kick local time, number nine Baylor versus number five Oklahoma State for the Big 12 championship. Oklahoma State a five-and-a-half-point favorite.
3: So crazy to me that the game is like relegated to to that kind of kick. Well, time dude, they play at, they
0: play all of the games. They just play the game at eleven o'clock local time.
3: Yeah, it's weird. Um, it's weird, but I'm gonna go with Oklahoma State here. Um, I know that this was a pretty tight, tightly contested ball game the first time around, and Oklahoma State surprisingly winning with defense this year. I think this this could be like a seventeen to thirteen game. I don't think people uh, realize that, but. I'm gonna go with Oklahoma. Open Oklahoma State offense opens up a little bit more, and uh, Cowboys win their first no win a Big Twelve championship.
2: Uh, I'm definitely going Baylor. Um, I think Baylor will win. Oklahoma State's already beat them this year. I think it's hard to beat the team twice. I think Oklahoma State lost to Iowa State. Baylor lost to Oklahoma State and TCU. So I go Baylor.
0: This was really hard. Uh, Oklahoma State won their matchup. By ten, and it was at, but it was at Okie State. This one's on a neutral site, and then at the same time, Baylor just beat Texas Tech by three, mm-hmm. and Texas Tech like barely missed a field goal that would have tied it at the end. Oh man, Oklahoma State can never stay out of their own way. Give me, <laughs> gi- give me Baylor in this one. Sad but true. Yep. Uh, moving on to the Sun Belt Championship Game, three thirty on ESPN app, State. At number 24, Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, their final game under head coach Billy Napier. Raging Cajuns, three-point favorites at home.
3: Sunbelt's the fun belt for a reason, man. Oh, no. That's why it always stays interesting. Now, the first time these two teams played, Louisiana dismantled Appalachian State. But since then, Appalachian man, he's, State... You
0: just by their government name. Ed, App State. My,
3: my bad. <laughs> but uh, since then, you know, App's been on a roll. And Louisiana, honestly, they, they opened up the season with a loss, have rolled since then, but been playing with fire a little bit over the past few weeks. I have some close
0: wins there. so That will happen when your coach is interviewing in Gainesville. Is Absolutely. Good, you know?
3: So give me App State with the upset victory, one of the, one of the fun upsets of Championship Saturday.
2: Oh, no. Give me Louisiana. Um, I definitely know that. I wish they would have beat Texas. I would love to see where Louisiana, Louisiana would be ranked right now had they beat Texas, but... Louisiana? Um, yeah, Louisiana. All right. I don't know if App State has enough in the tank to beat them. I think they're – I mean, Billy Napier may, might be – well, the second-to-last game. so.
0: I, I don't know if he's going to say – I don't know that he said he's going to coach the bowl game. I think this, this okay. is probably his last game. Okay.
2: Well, definitely give me Louisiana. Yeah, man. I
0: think Louisiana is going to uh, win this one pretty big. They won 41-17, to I believe, earlier in the season, and it's back at home. This isn't a neutral site game. This was at Louisiana. So, yeah, Cajun Field, yeah, give me – Give me Lafayette in this game. I know they don't want you to call that anymore, but it is what it is. Fun. Uh, everybody's doing fake Southern accents apparently now, so it's cool. Uh, number 21, Houston at number four, Cincinnati. The Bearcats with a spot in the college football playoff, potentially on the line. They are 10.5-point favorites at home. And
3: for that reason, I think they come out tight. They, they don't play loose. We kind of see that Cincinnati team that we saw against like like an Indiana or a Tulane when, when they played them right so they come out with the victory but houston ends up covering uh I'll, I'll take cincinnati by 3 but but houston for the for the pick
2: i actually have houston for the win um i think houston's going to upset them i just don't see see cincinnati making the playoffs win or lose so i actually have houston upsetting them and you know win the act
0: i think cincinnati knows that they have to win this one and they probably have to win it handily just to put away any doubt of them getting in. I, I think they have a very good chance to make the playoff if they win this football game. Like I would have them favored to make the playoff if they win this game. I think they cover. I think they know they have to do that, and I think when we've seen them with their back against the wall in some of these games, they've obliterated people. I'm looking at the SMU game, so I, I think Cincinnati wins this game handily. All right. In a game that I advise people not to watch because there's much more entertaining stuff I'm on watching. at that time. Number two, Michigan. <laughs> they are 11 point favorites against Iowa.
3: Yeah. And, you know, I've, I guess I've, I should say
0: number 13, Iowa. Right. Whatever, I mean, whatever that means. I've,
3: I've called Michigan a fraud for most of the season. And then once I start believing it's, it's in Ohio
0: State, Ohio State, of yeah. course,
3: that they, they do what they did to them. But this is the thing with Michigan like most Big Ten teams that end up having, having the spotlight on them. They play to the level of their competition. Michigan's always in a close game. I think they had one like solid blowout win, and it was against Wisconsin. And now we see what Wisconsin is, right? So they're gonna play down to Iowa. I think they're more talented than Iowa, but they're gonna play down to them. It's gonna be a boring, inept type of football game that Michigan's gonna win like seventeen to thirteen, like twenty to twenty to fourteen or something wow. like that. So give me Iowa for the points. Michigan will win. But it's going to be close and boring, and Michigan's going to going to play down to Iowa like they always do.
2: This is the tough one. I I pick Iowa. Um, I just it's what I told my mom last week. I think Michigan is just allergic to prosperity, man. Oh no! So you yeah. think Iowa's
0: going to win straight up? Yep. Yeah. 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 Ah. I think
2: Iowa has a chance to win straight up. Well, I, I want to say Michigan by three, but it's just something that's. It's weird, man. I'm getting weird vibes from a game like this. This is the type of game where you beat up Ohio State and your fan base is huge and you got this big line of 11 points and then you go out there and lay an egg. I would so agree with Iowa. you if it
0: was anybody but Iowa. And <laughs> like if Wisconsin was in this, I'd feel a lot better about saying, oh, potentially an upset because Wisconsin just does weird things. Iowa has literally never done anything weird in their life. Like... People in the area of the country like hate dancing, right? Yeah. Like it's just like nothing nothing weird happens. They can't
3: throw a forward pass. Yeah, like no, at nothing, least Wisconsin nothing, can do that yeah, to the other team. Nothing weird is going to happen in yeah. this
0: game. All I think is going to happen is Michigan is going to tee off on Iowa. I think they win it like 24-7 to 7 or something like that. Not a overly entertaining game, but they just – Iowa can't do anything on offense. Michigan probably forces a couple of turnovers and they win the game going out right and get to the college football playoffs. So yeah, give me Michigan and them covering. And what I think could probably be the most entertaining game of the day: number fifteen Pitt. They are three point favorites against number sixteen Wake Forest.
3: Yeah, and I've been going with Wake Forest over the past few weeks to, to see them get to this point. Uh, but I think you're going up against what what should be, and even more of a, a, a Heisman, uh, you know. Not front runner, but but challenger than I think he is, and that's Kenny Pickett. So I, I think Kenny Pickett lights it up, and Pitt, Pitt
0: wins by you know maybe 10.
2: Two of the best quarterbacks in the country going into the draft as well. I'll take Kenny Pickett and Pitt to cover.
0: Potentially future Falcons quarterback, Kenny Pitt. Hey, yeah, you. I'll rock with Pitt in this one as well. Finally, and we've all been waiting for, number one Georgia, six-and-a-half-point favorites against number three Alabama. Yeah. Uh, And I am going to stick
3: to what I said a few days ago. I had a lot of time to think about it, obviously, but I'm going to go with Georgia. I think this is close for a long time, but around the midway point of that third quarter, Georgia starts pulling away, uh, maybe win by 14 or 17 points. They finally get the monkey off the bat, secure the, the number one spot in the college football playoff, and head into it poised to win a championship.
2: With all due respect, I have Georgia winning, but I don't have them winning by six. That's a lot of points against Bama. I can't remember the last time a team beat Bama by that many points. What, Clemson, National Championship? Maybe, I want to say LSU beat them like 47-42 the year with Burrow. I, it's I, been a I, while. I maybe that I was close.
0: No, yeah, I thought I thought they handled it, but yeah.
2: Yeah, it's it's been a while. Remember Devontae Smith got that late touchdown yeah. to close it. It's been a while, man. I don't. I have Georgia winning, but six and a half points. Whew. That's a lot of points. 46-41, yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of points, man.
0: Mm. Georgia will
2: win, but I got Alabama covered. Give me Georgia.
0: <laughs> Whoo, Okay. Earlier in the week, I thought Alabama by three. But I, I think Georgia, is, this game's tight. And then Georgia, they've done it all year where they do the death march drive, mm-hmm. and I think I think they do that one against Alabama, where it's just Zemir White, heavy dose, somebody breaks one from 20 out, puts the nail in the coffin, and Georgia finally gets over Alabama and then sets up what we, all, what we all predicted before the year, which is probably going to be uh, Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati, and Oklahoma State. Absolutely. Or if Oklahoma State loses, what we all predicted again at the beginning of the season is uh, Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati, and Notre Dame led by not Brian Kelly. <laughs> and which would be the feel good story of the year with Marcus Freeman coming in and leading that team. That would you be know just how cool fantastic. That is. We are way over. We got to take a quick break. We'll come back, wrap up this second down. Guys, I have an important question as we have like a minute here before we get to three and out. Who is more fraudulent this year? Michigan or Brian Kelly's accent?
3: (laughs) Brian Kelly's accent to me because Michigan's at least proven themselves a little bit. But, uh, no, that's 150% fake, and we all know it.
0: Agreed. Agreed. Brian Kelly, all right, for those of you who haven't seen it, it, it's everywhere. But Brian Kelly uh, was at LSU's basketball game last night and just all of a sudden developed a deep southern Savannah, Georgia accent. Uh, When he said family, uh, just outstanding video. uh, If you find I know we're going to play it coming up here on 3 and Out. But, yeah, that was just absolutely beautiful. We appreciate uh, Brian, I guess, now Thibodeau Kelly for uh, his contribution to that. But, again, for PJ Zuko, Christian Gokel, Cam Urshry, we'll talk to everyone on Monday.